How about we have him sing it one more time? Man, alive. I love watching folks sing when it's real. And uh, you should have seen him. He was kind of hiding behind the pulpit there, but he was getting with it. I thought he was going to come up on his tiptoes. And he was going like this, and he was going like that, and like that, and he was telling a story. I like it. I like it. Oh, man. Shoo. It's wonderful being saved. Amen. It's wonderful being saved and hearing people sing about it when it's real. Amen. Luke chapter 16 is where we're at tonight. And uh, it's one of those messages. I said, Lord, are you sure this is the one you want? <laughs> and uh, it's just one of those times. And I, I promise to you to preach the whole counsel of God. I've said that a lot recently because I mean that. I mean that. And lately on Sunday nights, we've been uh, discussing what the Bible has to say about such and such issues. And tonight, a very controversial one. If you didn't catch it in the text, it's money. God talks a lot about money in the Bible. A lot about it. Yeah. And then we get the, well, the preacher's always talking about money. Well, Jesus talked about it a whole lot. If you read your Gospels, a lot. And the question is tonight, why did, why did he talk about it so much? Perhaps because he wanted to teach us a thing or two. Amen? And uh, it really, tonight, my, my message here is what the Bible has to say, not about tithing, not about giving to missions, but about managing our money. Why did Jesus talk so much about money? Really, there's, there's two reasons I wrote down here. How, how we handle money affects our fellowship with God. It does. Think about that. It doesn't affect your relationship. You're a child of God when you get saved. You don't lose that. It's not, it's not one day you're saved and then, oh, you messed up a little bit and you lost your salvation. That's not Bible. We're saved, once saved, always saved. But you know, just like with your earthly father, and when you didn't do right, there was a little bit of trouble. <laughs> I'm not sure. Can you just come home a little bit later? <laughs> right? And, and our, our, sometimes the way that we act and our actions and all these things, it affects our fellowship. Yes? Money greatly affects our fellowship with our Lord. Money steals our affection. Away from God. It does. We read it in our text. He says it in multiple gospels here. But look at verse 13. Look at this again. No servant. I'm in Luke 16 verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Can't do it. The love of money is really a terrible thing. And it destroys our relationship with our Lord. Destroys our fellowship really is where I'm going with that. Because you know, you've seen Christians that get the love of money and they chase after that thing. What's it do? It takes them right out of the church. It takes them right out of their walk with God. And God has some things that He wants us to do. He's very clear on the fact that, that we ought to be in church and we ought to do it so much the more as we see the day approaching. Hebrews chapter 10 says, So much the more that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But what, what do we do? 
I was talking about this morning a little bit. What do we do? Well, but triple time on Sunday sounds real good. And that love of money takes us from serving Jesus Christ like we ought to. I tell you what, God is, He is so, His promises are so real. Again, this is not a, this is not a message uh, really pointed and, and focused on tithing. But I tell you what, I enjoy the blessing of God on my family. And I know it's because of tithe. I learned it when I was younger. And I've continued it into my adult life. And I have the blessings of God. The Bible says He opens up the windows of heaven and pours it out to me. That my bar- I couldn't even contain it in my barns. It's not always talking about money. It's talking about a lot of things there. But the blessing of God on the Woolard household. Because I'm faithful doing what God told me to do. But you start talking about money in a Baptist church, man, we get a little un- uncomfortable. Woo! Oh no! But Jesus sure talked about it a lot. In the Crusades, uh, about, we're talking 12th century, long time ago, right? You had, you had Christians going after Jerusalem, wanting to take it back, right? The Muslims and all them. And, uh, and, and during that time, the Crusaders would hire people to fight on their side. They'd hire mercenaries to fight for them. Okay, And because it was a religious war, the, the, the crusaders said the mercenaries must be baptized before they went to fight. You know what they would do? They would get baptized. And a lot of those men would literally take their sword out, hold it out of the water, and get baptized with a sword not in the water. Now, we know baptism is not a a means of salvation. We understand that. But what they were saying by doing that was, Lord, you can't have my sword. Because that's what makes my money. And you can't touch that. You can't touch that. Many Christians, I have at different times in my life, have treated my money the same exact way. We're guilty of that. Is that biblically correct or does it sound more like a God? Money becomes a God to us, doesn't it? So why does Jesus talk so much about money? Because money affects our fellowship with Him. Secondly, because He wants to equip us to handle it wisely. God knew that for many of us it would be a struggle. That it would be a temptation that it would be difficult, that it would cause it be a source of conflict. And so he gave us financial principles in the Word of God to help us in this area. Now, church, you know it, I know it. It is easy for us Christians to follow the world's model. But are we supposed to follow the world? No, we're supposed to follow Christ. In everything, yes? In raising my children, in in what I choose for my home here, and what I do there, and in how I handle my money. We're supposed to be faithful. Now, here's the question tonight. When, When handling and managing money, who's responsible? And when I'm asking that question, I'm thinking about... Some, some folks take it far to one extreme and some folks take it far to another extreme. Some people say, well, I'm completely responsible. 
This is my money. My name's on the checking account. And I have a savings account and all this. And I'm completely responsible. And other people take it to the far other extreme and say, no, God's completely responsible. And uh, I'm just going to live by faith in every little single thing. And it doesn't matter. Whatever He gives me, He gives me. And we'll just go from there. Can I tell you that it's both? That God has a part and I have a part. It's kind of like winning souls for Christ. It's Jesus Christ that saves souls. It's not man. It's not your pastor tonight. It's not John Wooler that saves souls. It's Jesus Christ. Yet he's told me to be the boots on the ground and go out and tell people. It's a joint thing. And the same thing with my money, that God has some responsibilities and I also myself have responsibilities as I'm faithful to him. That's what I would like to discuss with you tonight. First of all, I want you, I want you to understand and, and see God's responsibility in this thing. All right? Would you go with me in, to, in your Bibles to the Old Testament, to Psalms, please? Again, tonight is not a specific thing on a specific part, but more so laying the groundwork, a more generalized message tonight on our thinking behind it. It's either, money's either going to rule us and be a God to us, And we're going to follow the world's model or we're going to give it to God and we're going to let Him do it His way. Amen? Amen. Amen. Psalm chapter 24, please. Psalm 24. Let's look at God's responsibility when it comes to our money tonight. Psalm chapter 24. The Bible says here in verse 1 of 24... It says, the earth is whose? The Lord's. The The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. And that word fullness there means all that is therein. Okay? The root means to fill. It means everything that's in the earth belongs to God. God created it and, uh, and He created all that's in there and it all belongs to Him. Okay? When we acknowledge that thought right there, we acknowledge that God owns everything. It means He owns me. And He also owns this. When we acknowledge that, every spending decision becomes a spiritual decision. Think about my house. Think about my home. And it's time to, to look for a new car. I just bought a house recently, right? It was time to look for a new house, right? Don't you think that decision, decision greatly affects my home? Because sometimes we make decisions that we wish we wouldn't have made. And we get into financial trouble. And then, we're, and then it's affecting everybody in the home. And we didn't even stop to include God on this thing. And say, Lord, is this really what I was supposed to do? Talking about... Purchasing a, car, purchasing a car is a big deal. And, and nowadays they have, they have uh, 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 payment plans that go out for so many years. I mean, that car ain't going to be worth nothing by the time you get done paying it off. We know what we're talking about. They've got seven, eight, nine-year loans now. It's just crazy. And then we get into houses. You're like me. Whew. We had to buy a house this year. Brother Rocky, praise the Lord, amen, hallelujah, thankful for my home. But those numbers, 
It was certainly a spiritual decision when we acknowledge these things. I wonder, I wonder tonight if we truly take what we say we believe. We say we're Christians. We say we follow Christ. We say that he's uh, preeminent and he comes first. I wonder if we say, Lord, how do you want me to spend my money? Lord, is this the right decision for my home? Because I can tell you, I've seen a lot of Christians that they just do it right off the fly. Flying by the seat of your pants and making decisions that affect you for years to come. And it's the mentality of, hey, God, God owns everything. So I ought to include Him in the process. I ought to include Him in the process. It's easy to say, here it is church, it's easy to say these things. It's a, a whole different story to live it. To live it. Next thing tonight was looking at God's responsibility. God's own, God owns everything, and God is in control. Now, we say we, be, we say we believe that, but let's think about that for a moment. Would you, uh, would you go to 1 Chronicles 29? 1 Chronicles 29. While you're turning there, I'm going to read this to you out of Psalm 135. Okay, I'm asking you to go to 1 Chronicles 29, and I'm reading another passage here. It says, For I know that the Lord is great, and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did He in heaven and in earth, in the seas and all the deep places. Now, you're turning to 1 Chronicles, and I'm going there as well. Alright? Did we find it? Joshua, Judges, Ruth. First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First Chronicles, right? First Chronicles twenty nine. Look with me, please. First Chronicles twenty nine. Look at verse eleven, please. As always, Sunday evening service. Look and see what the Bible has to say. Stretch your fingers a little bit. <laughs> Amen. Separate those pages in your Bible. We're using them tonight. Verse number eleven. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness. And the power, and the glory, and the victory, and the majesty. For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Let's keep reading. Verse 12. Both riches and honor come, what? Of thee. Both riches and honor come of thee. And thou reignest over all. And in thine hand is power and might. And in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. Look now here, verse 14. But who am I? And what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. Catch that? says, God, I'm giving back what's already yours. That's what he was saying right there. He said, Lord, you, you own this. You own these, all this money, all these things. And my offering tonight, what he's saying is, my offering, Lord, I'm just giving them back what you've given me. That's a, that's a different mentality than what's in the world today. Saying, Lord, you own everything that I have. My possessions, my wealth, whatever it is, my investments, whatever it might be, Lord, you own those things. And when we acknowledge that, it certainly changes our perspective. Are you saying that 
God's in control even when bad things happen? Yes. Yes, I am. Sometimes things happen to you that you don't understand. Sometimes the Lord calls somebody home that you don't understand. Sometimes things happen financially and, and a car gets a flat tire when, when, uh, when somebody's chasing after you with this medical bill that came in and this thing happens and that thing happens. Let me remind you of a very, very familiar verse in Romans chapter 8. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to His purpose. I talked to you about those, those ingredients in baking a cake that one time here uh, a couple months ago. And, and anybody who takes a swig of, of, of straight vanilla, right, extract or whatever you do, whatever that is, or just takes your, opens your mouth and starts throwing flour in your mouth, that ain't very pleasant. But you put all that stuff together. You drink a raw egg, no, no thank you, right? But you put all that stuff together and mix it all together and put it in that oven and God bakes something pretty wonderful. Well, as long as you let Him. <laughs> Some of you can't bake, and please don't try. Amen. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm having fun with you tonight. All right, good. But why do, why the, oh, Pastor, why, why do bad things happen? Well, let's just consider it for a minute. Didn't, didn't, uh, some people might have looked at the life of Joseph as being a bad thing. Here he is thrown in a pit. His brothers sell him into slavery. He's uh, taken off to a foreign country and made to be a slave and then lied about and thrown in prison. God, I'm just trying to be faithful. And here I am. All this stuff has happened to me. But yet God was accomplishing His will through some bad situations for one man later made him second in command of Egypt to save his family. To save his family. But I'll just trust the Lord. Sometimes He sends us through some bad things to develop our character. Romans 5 says, By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience and experience hope. Sometimes bad things happen to discipline us. Amen? Doesn't God tell us to raise our children in the nurture and the admonition? That's both sides. They need our love, but they also need our correction. Because well, what are we seeing in the world today? We're seeing a whole bunch of children that haven't been corrected. Yeah? Amen? God says you raise your children, you do it both. You do it with love and you do it with correction to train them the way that you ought to train them. God the Father does the same very thing. Hebrews 12 says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If I'm a child of God, I ought to expect the chastening of the Lord when I don't do right. I ought to expect the, the Holy Spirit of God to prick my heart and beat me up over some things till I get right. Because that's God being faithful to me. God owns everything. God is in control. And God also provides for our needs, doesn't he? Now we say we believe these things, but then it gets a little tough and it's harder to live it. Yet we would quote Matthew 6.33 all day long, but it's not so easy when we're right in the thicket of it. We're right in there. Right? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness 
And all these things shall be added unto you. What things? Well, the context there is talking about food and clothing. If you read Matthew chapter 6, the context is God saying, don't worry about everything else. You serve me first. That means you don't pick your job based on how, uh, your position and your money. You pick your job on how you're going to serve me with it. That's what he's teaching. And he said, I'll, all these things will be added unto you. I'll take care of you. Amen? We don't believe that anymore because we don't live it. But that's Bible. Excuse me. That's Bible. Problem is, we're getting soft. We don't preach these things anymore. We're not teaching the whole counsel of God. Are you serious? I got to pick a. I got to pick a job based on how God wants me to serve Him. Yes, because that's Bible. But you don't understand. There's this position way over there, and man, God, I'm telling you what, it's going to triple some numbers. Praise the Lord. Have you ever even checked to see if there was a church there? We're either going to put God first or we're not. Amen? Amen? Come on now. We know what the Bible says. Think about how God fulfills His promises. Think for 40 years. 40 years He provided manna for the children of Israel. He provided their needs. He said, trust me, follow me, go out in the desert, I'll take care of you. He provided for 5,000 men and all their families with just one boy's lunch. That same God is my God whom I serve today. Right? But what happens? I, I, here's what happens. I doubt Him. Right? We doubt Him. And we put God in a box. Don't we? We're talking about the God of the universe that's bigger than we can imagine. And we put Him in a box. When I was youth pastor, I was trying to teach the young people. As they go out and, and they start driving, they go out and get a job. I say, you tell them you can't work on Sunday. You tell them that. You put God first. And I had one mother come to me and say, you know, I, don't tell my child that. If they say they can't work on Sunday, they're not going to get a job. Baloney. Because I did. I remember when the Lord was starting to change my heart and I was starting to get right with Him. And, and I was working down here in Martinsburg. And, I, and, and then uh, I started getting right and I took a, a second job at a hotel. And I told them I couldn't work Sundays and Wednesday nights. You know what? They still hired me. Because I serve a great God that can intervene in those things. And uh, this mother said, uh, don't tell my child that. Uh, she'll, never, she'll never get a job. You know what? She got a job in a fast food joint. She started missing church because wouldn't you know it, the devil was in that thing. And she started missing church every Sunday. Right? Taking her away from what she ought to be doing and, and putting God first. And wouldn't you know, she's out in the world and, and not living for the Lord today because we put God in a box. I think my God's bigger than a job that won't let you work on, or you have to work on Sunday. My God's bigger than that. Now, praise the Lord, some people have to work on Sunday. I praise the Lord for police officers and all these things. But I'm talking about a teenager that was going down to a fast food joint at, that was still living at home and mom was saying, don't trust God. Come on, church. My God is big. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do for you. 
We teach our children that, to sing that. Sing that in junior church. Amen. But we as adults don't believe it. We don't believe it. Shame on us. My, my God is so big. How great thou art. We could sing that song. I could quote to you so much scripture about how great and how big my God is. But not only that, He knows exactly who I am personally. He knows my soul. He knows how many hair I have on my head. The Bible teaches us that. David said in Psalm 139, he said, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. And thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compasseth my pass, excuse me, my path and my laying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. My God knows me. That's God's responsibility. He owns everything. He controls everything. And, uh, and He takes care of me. He, he meets my needs. If I'm faithful doing what I'm supposed to be doing, God will take care of me. Put Him first. That's Bible. And He'll take care of my needs. Now then comes our responsibility. What does the Bible say, uh, talking about somebody who manages someone else's money? What does the Bible call them? Stewards. Stewards. Would you go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, please? 1 Corinthians chapter 4. First Corinthians chapter 4. Look at verse 2, please. First Corinthians 4, 2. Would you read this with me, please? Aloud, everybody. First Corinthians 4, 2. Ready? Begin. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. You know what a steward is? It's somebody that manages someone else's stuff. And when I acknowledge that God owns everything that I have, I realize that God calls me a steward and I'm just managing what's already His. That's a whole different mindset than the world teaches us. And it's not so hard for me to make right and good spiritual decisions with my money when I realize that it's all His anyway. Amen? And God says, I want you to be faithful. Now, the world applauds success, don't they? Man, look at this guy. Look, look at all that. Look at what he's acquired for himself. The world applauds success. You know what God applauds? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. You think God didn't take care of Jeremiah? Jeremiah preached for 40 years without a convert. He didn't have numbers, but he was faithful to do what God called him to do. Preach the word. Preach the word. Praise God for that, that, little, that preacher with that little country church way out yonder. And they don't, they don't have the, the people, the new faces coming in like we have here just because of where God put them. And they might not see uh, uh, 30 people saved this year. They might see one. They might see four. But praise God for the faithfulness of a man of God that will keep preaching the word even where God put him. Because God applauds faithfulness. How about our responsibility tonight? Be faithful with what you have. Be faithful with what you have. 
All right? I want you to consider tonight the parable of the talents out of Matthew 25. You don't need to turn there. I'm just going to talk about it for a moment. Think about the talents. Right? He gives one man five. He gives another man two and another man one. Right? Think about this. The man that he gave five, he went and turned it into another five. And what did, what did, this, what did the Lord say? He said, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Yes? Now, how about the guy that was given, he, he had two, right? He was given two talents, and uh, he went out and made another two. What did the Lord say to him? Well done. Now, good and faithful servant. It didn't matter if the guy had five or the guy had two. It didn't matter what, how much it mattered that he was faithful. And then the guy that was given one buried it in the ground. And he said, you're wicked. You kept it for yourself. You've not been faithful where I told you to be faithful. Be faithful with what you have. One man said this, It's not what I would do if one million dollars were my lot. It's what I am doing with the ten dollars I've got. Being faithful. Be faithful with what you have. Next, be faithful with 100% of it. Wait a minute, preacher. I, I thought the Bible talked about 10%. 10% is a tithe. But we're not talking about tithe tonight. We're talking about being faithful. Uh-huh. If, if God owns my money and God owns all that I have, then I ought to be faithful with it all. Does God want me to care for my family? Yes, He does. Because if I'm not, then I'm worse than an infidel. Does, does God want me to leave something for my children and for my grandchildren? Yes, He does. The Bible teaches us that. In Proverbs 13, a good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. That's being faithful, isn't it? Proverbs uh, 22 says this, The rich ruleth over the poor... And the borrower is servant to the lender. You think God cares a little bit about how much we're in debt and how much we're slaves and servants to, to so many other lenders and how, how we squelch our possibilities for serving Him? Be faithful with what you have. Be faithful with 100%. Be faithful in the little things. Would you go back and we'll, we'll end here with this text. Luke 16. Back where we started, please. Luke 16. Church tonight, I'm not bringing this message to you because it's a, it's a popular one. I'm not bringing you this message tonight because it's going to make me look like something good. I'm bringing you this message because God told me to. And it's important that even in the area of money that we be found faithful to God. Completely faithful in all areas of it. Look at Luke 16, verse 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. Be faithful in the little things. Be faithful in the little things. I love it when a Sunday school teacher, when a junior church worker, when a, when a youth worker, when somebody else takes time and is faithful to where God put them. 
I'm talking about after they get done, they sweep up their room and they turn the lights out after they've stacked the chairs or made it look good because that's their ministry that God called them to. And they, took, they made the best out of it. Be faithful in the little things. And God will reward us. He will count us faithful in the big things. There's coming a day when we're going to rule and reign with Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? I don't know what that means. And I've told you that. I don't know who's going to be ruling over Martinsburg or this thing or that thing or whatever. But I do know the Bible says we will rule and reign. And God's going to reward people. Lastly here, be faithful with other people's property. Look what he says here. Verse number 12. And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? Be faithful with other people's stuff. You know how I was taught that when you borrow somebody's stuff, you give it back in better condition. Because it doesn't belong to you. And you borrow it, don't you give it back. When you borrow somebody's vehicle, don't you give it back with no gas in it. Fill that thing up and give it back the way you got it. And better than what you got it. Clean it up. Take care of other people's stuff. Amen? Why? Because God told us to. He's expecting us to be faithful. There's a connection. Here it is and it'll be done. There's a connection between my character and how I handle my money. There's a connection between my character, means what I hold to be right and how I live my life being right before God. There's a connection between my character and how I handle my money. You can tell more about me and my priorities and what I serve by looking at my bank statement and my credit card statements than you can listening to me preach. Let me say that again. You can tell more about my character and what my priorities are by looking at my bank statement and my credit card statement than you can listening to me preach. Because you look at where my money is spent and you'll know where my, where my heart is. And that's the truth. Are we going to be faithful to God or are we just going to do it our own way? Let's bow together. Lord, help us tonight on this area of money. God, we could have went a lot of different directions and we could have talked much about tithing or giving to faith promise or whatnot. But God, really the tonight, uh, I believe what you wanted was, Lord, help us to understand this underlining theme that, God, what we have is, belongs to you. And you've asked us to be faithful. Lord, I've got a family to provide for. I've got to be faithful in that area. Lord, I've got children that are raising up. Lord, I've got, I've got clothes to, to purchase. I've got food, Lord, to take care of my children. I, I've, got to, I've got to put a roof over their head. I've got to get them in Christian school where I know they'll be taught the truth. Lord, help me to be faithful. Lord, but also you've asked me to give of my, of my money. Lord, of your money, give it back. Be faithful in our tithe of 10%. Lord, you've asked me to, to give out of the abundance of my heart towards missions as a cheerful giver. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Lord, I saw tonight how you want me to leave an inheritance for my children's children. 
I pray that you'd help me to be faithful. You'd help us to be faithful. And Lord, whatever you are speaking to us about tonight, may we respond, may we deal with these things, please. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm going to ask you to stand. The piano's playing.